Welcome to Bayou City. If you want to pull out your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 8. We've spent the last six weeks asking some pretty important questions about the Bible. Is it the Word of God? Can I trust it? Only 24% of Americans believe that the Bible is actually the Word of God, so we're not making any assumptions today. How did a copy get into my hands? How do I read it? If I do read it, what does my relationship with the rest of the world look like? I didn't do seminary like a normal person. I had a full-time job. I already had a kid. So at the beginning of the semester, I would look at what classes were available on Monday mornings. And if there was one that motivated me and sounded interested, that's the one I signed up for. Normally, I would only do one class at a time. That was kind of about all that I could take on. But one semester, I was feeling pretty ambitious, and so I decided to take a second class, a Hebrew class. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and I thought it would be a great thing if I could read it in the language that God had inspired it in. And so my very first day of Hebrew class, I show up, I got a fresh new notebook to take all the notes. And you remember your first day of college or graduate work, the, the first lecture is always the introduction lecture. It's the easiest lecture, but as soon as this professor started talking, I knew that I was in trouble. I had bitten off more than I could chew. I would say that she was speaking in a foreign language, but she was in fact speaking in a foreign language. And I grew up in Southwest Missouri. In Southwest Missouri, English is a long, long way away from uh, Old Testament Israel Hebrew. And so mercifully, she gave a break about 30 minutes into the class. Uh, Other people are stretching their legs. They're using the restroom. They're getting a drink. I assembled all of my belongings and snuck out and never went back. (laughs) Because I knew this this would be a great thing. If I had taken this class, this would be a great thing. But I just didn't think that I could follow through with it. Not that semester, not at that moment. So we've been spending these weeks in the Bible together, and hopefully you've been inspired. Hopefully you've seen that this is really important, and this is something that I need to be committed to, but maybe you have felt along the way, I I don't know if I can do that. Uh, Only 20% of us read the Bible every day. Another 20% of us never read it. And 54% of us say that we would read it more, but we're too busy with our responsibilities, So the question that we need to ask, the final question in this series, is will I follow through with a commitment to God's word? Jesus talked in parables often. One of those parables is in Luke chapter 8. It says in verse 4, And when a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away. 
And as for those that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So Jesus gives us a parable, but he also thankfully gives us the parable key. The seed is the word of God. The seed on the path are those who hear, but Satan steals the word before they have a chance to believe. The seed that fell on the rock are those who hear, but they have no root and they fall away in a time of testing. The seed among the thorns are those who hear, but the word is choked out by the cares riches and pleasures of life. The seed in the good soil are those who hear and follow through. I've mentioned before that my grandfather was an inspiration to me. When I was a child, I would spend the night at their house. In the morning, I would wake up, tiptoe through the living room, stand at the edge of the kitchen and peer in. And always, my grandfather would be there at the kitchen table with his Bible open and a notepad next to it. It didn't matter if it was a Saturday morning or a Monday morning or a Wednesday morning. Always on the table, Bible open, notepad next to it. He died about a year ago on the day that he died on his kitchen table, Bible open, notepad next to it. I want to be a person like that. The question for me is not do I want to, but, but how can I? Thankfully, as always, Jesus' words are instructive to us today. And he shares with us four things in one verse that will make sure that you and I follow through with a commitment to his word. Number one, we need to hold fast to the word. That's what he says in verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast. Back in verse nine, his disciples come to him after he's spoken the parable and they say, Can you explain it to us? And he says, starting in verse 10, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now that doesn't sound like something we would expect Jesus to say. You would think he would want everyone to understand. Why does he hide the meaning in a parable, where a parable is only understood by his disciples? Because Jesus does not believe in easy believism. There were all kinds of mixed motives for following Jesus in those original days. Some looked to him as a political leader. Some came just to see the tricks that he did, the power of God through his life to do miracles. We have mixed motives for following Jesus too. Easy believism is is rampant in our day because we have goals we have ambitions we want Jesus to just become an addition to our ambitions primarily we have goals that are centered around our lifestyle um, and our kids we want to maximize our hobbies our homes and our happiness We want to maximize our kids' learning, how much they're loved by other people, and their laughter. And those are good things, right? I mean, when it comes to our kids, we want them to achieve, but we really want them to be the highest achievers. We want them to be loved by everyone. 
We put them in positions so that they will be loved, they will be approved of, they uh, will be received by people. And when they're not, we end up making enemies out of other eight-year-olds. I mean, there are some adults in here who literally have a problem with a 13-year-old because of the way they treated your loved one. Because we want them to be loved. We want that to be maximized in their life. And we want them to have lots of laughter. We want them to have a fun experience underneath our home. And, and some of those are good things. But we are giving our lives to these six things. This is what we are doing with our time. And we say to Jesus, come and follow me as I do these six things. And oh, by the way, if you could help me with these six things, that would be fantastic. But you think about who Jesus said it was given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. It was the disciples who had left their nets, who had given up everything and were, in Luke's words, denying themselves and coming after Christ and taking up their crosses daily and following Christ. That's why Jesus said it's a narrow road that leads to life and few will find it because the cost is so high. Jesus does not believe in easy believism. You think about the seed that fell onto the rock. Sprouted up fast, but it faded even faster because it had no root. And Jesus says about people who receive the word, sprouts up quickly, has no root, that they fall away in a time of testing. Now, Bible scholars ultimately believe that the testing Jesus is referring to is suffering for Christ's sake. I mean, so that's a pretty high standard. That you know if this sermon is effective if it passes the test of persecution. Yikes. If that's where I'm supposed to end, for me, I I can't start there. i got to start at some simpler tests. I've been trying to work on becoming a better communicator because that's one of my primary jobs here at the church, and I want to get better at it. So I've been soliciting some feedback, and last week I was leaving church. Jackson was in the car with me. He's 11. I thought this would be the ultimate test. If Jackson can remember what the main idea of the sermon was, then I know I'm doing a good job. Because I want you to be able to summarize in one sentence what our time here together was. And so we're pulling out of the church parking lot. I said, hey, but uh, can you tell me about what, the, what my message was about today? You know, it's a frightful thing to put your ego in the hands of an 11-year-old. <laughs> and he thinks about it for a second. He says some, says some good words and summarizes. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm doing an amazing job. So clearly I'm very gifted. <laughs> If the final test is, will the word hold up to persecution? Maybe the first test for me personally is, will the word hold up to the parking lot? Will you still remember what we've read today from the scripture by the time you hit the street? Many of us won't. We'll sing a song and we'll pray together and we'll have some conversations and we'll go pick up our kids and then we'll talk about where we want to go to lunch and As soon as I say amen, that's going to be the last time that some of us ever think about this sermon. Some of us have already forgotten the things that we've read by the time we actually close our Bibles on our way to work. But Jesus says, you know that a word is sunk in when it passes the test. We have to hold it fast. Will it pass the test of the parking lot? Will it pass the test of the hours of mindless entertainment? that we'll take in this week? Will it pass the test of our busy schedules? We are an overcommitted people in general. We are chained to our obligations. 
I think if Jesus were here speaking to us again this parable, he would say, you chain yourself to my word first. It becomes your highest priority. You hold fast to my word, you hold loosely to everything else. The reason some of us can't hold fast to God's word is because we're holding fast to so many other things. Our hands are too full to grab on to the scripture. But if we want to be people who follow through with a commitment to God's word, we have to hold it fast. The second thing he says is we have to receive it with honesty. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. Jesus' primary opponent in the gospel are the Pharisees. His number one criticism of them is that they made themselves out to be perfect. They pretended to be more than they actually were. He also accused them of what happened to the seed that fell among the thorns, that they were being choked out by cares, riches, and pleasures. In Matthew chapter 6, he talks about how they care about what people think of their spiritual life, that when they go to pray and give to charity and fast, they have to let everyone know so that everyone will be impressed, that they blow a trumpet when they go to give, that when they're fasting, they don't take baths, they don't make themselves presentable, they go around looking somber and sad because they care about what other people think. Later on in Luke, he'll say about the Pharisees that they have a love for money. And because of that, they're being choked out by the thorns, the word being hindered. And it's it's tricky because it's a subtle thing. The cares and riches and pleasures of this life. I mean, we think, well, you know, I'm not a billionaire. I don't have a yacht down in Galveston from which I launch down to my private island in the Caribbean. And if I don't have time to yacht back, one of my many servants will drive the boat back and I will fly on my jet. I'm too busy Ubering my kids around to have cares and riches and pleasures. (laughs) But notice what Jesus says in verse 7. He said, when the seed went into the ground, it grew up and the thorns grew up with it. Meaning those thorns were not obvious when the seed went into the ground. So just because your bank account doesn't make it seem obvious that you care about riches, you could still care. And just because you and I put off a very confident front doesn't mean there there isn't the thorn of people's approval there that may be choking the word out. But notice that Jesus says that the fruit is visible, it's just not mature. That's what the thorns do. I think that's a perfect summary of American Christianity right now. It looks like fruit. It looks like an apple. It just doesn't taste like an apple. You see someone, it looks like they love their neighbor, but you get a little bit closer, you realize that they just love people who are like them. You see someone, it, they look righteous, but you get a little bit closer, and you see that they have secrets. It looks like someone has a saving faith in Christ, but you get a little bit closer, you see that they're all confused about who Jesus was. I mean, all, we were all aware of, about the very public Senate confirmation hearing on Thursday. We're not going to talk about that, obviously. 
on Wednesday, there was another Senate confirmation that most of us didn't hear about. It was for a guy you've never heard of, for a job that you've never heard of. And this man who was being confirmed, he is, in fact, a Christian, and about a year ago had written a paper outlining some of his Christian beliefs. And one of the senators had read it, and uh, the senator was making an accusation that this guy was not a very nice person or inclusive person. And the man who was being confirmed was just trying to say, this is just what Christians believe. This is not something unique to me. This is just what Christians believe. And one of the other senators piped up to kind of give some defense. And this senator, Chris Von Hollen from Maryland, said, I'm a Christian too, but being a Christian, in my view means understanding that there are lots of ways for people to pursue their God. And that looks like fruit in 2017 America. It's kind, it's warm, looks nice. The problem is Jesus would vehemently disagree with that. Because Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to God except through me. Lots of us have fruit that looks like fruit, but because of cares, riches, pleasure, it's not mature. And because we're not honest about it, it never has an opportunity to become mature. So how do we receive the word with an honest heart? Just a few chapters, Jesus will tell another parable, this time about a tax collector and a Pharisee. They both go into the temple to pray. The Pharisee walks in, he sees the tax collector there, and he begins to pray, God, thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. And then he lists his spiritual resume, and his spiritual resume is impressive. The tax collector, on the other hand, wouldn't even lift his head up towards God, but instead of praying, just beat his chest. The only words he could muster out were, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. How do I receive the word with honesty? I come before God without comparison. The Pharisee looked righteous in comparison to the tax collector, just like you look righteous next to your coworker, just like you look righteous next to your neighbor, just like you look righteous next to the person on Facebook that pushes out the verses. But if our eyes are on someone else, they can't be on God. We come before God without comparison. We come before God in truth and humility. The tax collector knew who he was. I'm a sinner. He wouldn't lift his head up towards God. And we come before God with need. Have mercy on me. God, I'm not presenting myself to you to look impressive like the Pharisee. I have genuine need here. In order for that seed to go down in good soil, we have to receive it honestly. Number three, Jesus says we have to receive it with good intentions. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. What does it mean to have a good heart? A good heart is a heart that intends to do the will of God. It's a heart that when hearing the word and reading the word says, God, I'm going to practice what you are preaching. That's what James was saying in his letter, James chapter one, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves it, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he is blessed in his doing. So James says, if you and I read the scripture, but then don't practice what it says, we're like someone who looks in the mirror, steps away, and doesn't remember what we just saw. This is especially relevant to me because twice a week I have to study my face and head in a mirror by shaving it. I'm not like you privileged few that get to go and pay for a haircut. <laughs> Some of you might be tempted to come and say afterwards, man, I wish that I was bald like you because I get so tired of wasting this money on haircuts. And I say to you, shut up. <laughs> I would gladly spend all that I have. I'm kidding. You know, what's worse is I have to take uh, Jackson to get his haircut every couple of weeks, and it's like salt in the wounds. Like, I still have to pay for a haircut. It's just not mine. And, you know, the same thing happens every time. It doesn't matter if I take him to this place or that place. Uh, they're back there cutting the hair, and they're bragging as it all falls off their head onto the floor. Chunks, beautiful chunks. And then we meet back at the cash register when it's over. Same thing always happens. Doesn't matter who it is. They hand them the sucker, and then they make this joke. Is it your dad's turn next? Ha, 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 ha. No tip for you. I'm kidding. Tip. Full tip. Workers worthy of their wages. So I don't get to do that. I have to shave my head about twice a week, and I shave it in the shower, but the problem is you can't see everything in the shower, so then I go and study my head in the mirror because it's embarrassing when you miss a spot because people always point it out. Even at church, people point it out, especially at church, people point it out. So I have to study my face and my head very hard to make sure that I haven't missed a spot. And so here's what James is saying. James is saying, the next time I go to do that, and I study and I look, and I'm looking at my head from every angle, and I'm clear. And I step away from the mirror to go on my day, and I go, wait a second, hold on. Did I miss a spot? And I look again, and I study it from every angle and investigate. No, I'm clear. And I step away and think, wait, did I miss a spot? And I look again, and I study from every angle. No, I'm clear. And I step away. Did I miss a spot? And I have to look again. And I'm clear. But then I forget. And I look again. And then I step away. And then I forget. You, you would just be stuck in that moment forever and ever and ever. You would never go about the rest of your day. I think if James were here and we let him do an audit of our life, I think that's maybe what he would say about me. You are stuck. You are stuck. You should have been at this place in your spiritual maturity, but you're stuck. You're stuck because you read and you read and you hear and you hear, but you never practice. You never follow through. So you can't move on. To receive the word of God, the seed, into a good heart means I'm going to practice whatever it is that God is preaching to me about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, a lawyer, asked a very important question. What do I need to do to be saved? Jesus started listing out some of the Old Testament commandments. It's almost as this rich young man uh, interrupted him and said, I've been doing all that. In fact, I've been doing that for as long as I can remember. Jesus says, one thing you haven't been doing, 
You need to go and sell everything that you have. You need to give it to the poor, and then you come and follow me. The scripture says that this man, he goes away sad. Why? Because there was a line that he was not willing to cross. There was a depth of obedience that he was not willing to journey towards. And to receive the word in a good heart means that whatever it says is what I'm going to do. And finally, Jesus says, be patient. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The parable starts by telling us that a large, great crowd had come around Jesus and they had come from town to town to town. Where did these people come from? How did they know? The beginning of the chapter says soon afterward he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities that's why people from town to town to town had come to see Jesus because Jesus had just been from town to town to town it says that the disciples and some female disciples were with him you compare these disciples with the crowds the disciples were with Jesus the crowds came to watch Jesus the disciples said we believe in you and we are with you wherever you go we go whatever you're doing we're doing whenever you are teaching we are listening whatever you're asking from us that's what we're doing the crowds were entertained by Jesus as he went from their town to the next town to the next town. And they heard, hey, he's in the vicinity and it fits in my schedule. Let's go out there and see him. Can you see the difference? One group says, we are with you. My schedule is now your schedule. Your priorities are my priorities. The crowd says, if it fits with what I've got going on and you are in the vicinity, then I will come to see you. That would be like for us saying, God, I've set aside from 11.15 to 12.30 on Sunday, and you speak as much as you want to speak to me. Whatever you want to say, that's what I want to hear. You work in my life powerfully. But as soon as the clock is up and I leave the parking lot, then I'm going about the rest of my weekend. Or God, I'm going to set aside a few minutes to open up the scripture before I leave for work. And I want you to speak to me. But as soon as I close the book, then I got things to do. We like to make appointments with God and ask him to do as much as he possibly can within that appointment. But the rest of the time is ours. But the disciples and these women who were with him said, no, wherever you go, I go. We're with you. We're not just here to watch you we think about what our number one secret complaint is about the Bible. It's got to be secret because you can't complain about the Bible because we're in church. I read it and I just don't get that much out of it. Because we're a solution oriented people. If we read it in the morning and it hasn't radically transformed our life by the evening, what was the point? 
we're less likely to read it the next day. When I was about 13 years old, I loved basketball. I was one of the better ones on my basketball team, but I wanted to be the best one. The problem was most of my friends were already swinging through puberty and yeah, I had yet to grab the rope. And so I was under five feet tall. And in my mind, you had to be over five foot tall to really excel. So I had heard a rumor. Remember, this is pre-internet days. I had heard a rumor that if you spent a lot of time hanging and stretching, you could get a few more inches out of your body. There was, so there was a tree in my backyard. And I would go out there and just hang and stretch, and then I would come and measure myself, and I would hang and stretch on the frame around the doors inside my house, and I one time took all of the clothes out of my closet and hung from the rod in the closet, and then would go and measure myself. Well, big shocker, not effective. <laughs> because you can't trick time. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I want to say it again because I think it's maybe the most important thing that I've ever said to you. When it comes to a commitment to God's word, we need to be measuring decades, not days. What we want to tick off is not minutes, but years. We read the scripture and we see these stories of God working powerfully people's lives and we realize how we underestimate his power what we fail to see is how we underestimate his patience see God is patient to transform your life and my life one day at a time one page at a time one day one page over a lifetime that's how God is working in us will I follow through with a commitment to the scripture. For some, the seed will be stolen. For some, it will be shallow. For some, it will be be choked out. But for us, by God's grace, it's gonna sink in. Let's pray. Why don't you pray right there where you are, just a conversation between you and God. God, if you're hearing your word, reading it, what's my next step? God, whatever you've just said to each one of us, probably all different, hold fast to it we're honest about it we want to follow through but we'll be patient let it bear fruit in Jesus name